Okay, I'm going to read from King James. Well, I can read from this one. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside all things are come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Okay. The, uh, the text talks about the fact that there was a mystery. The word mystery means secret or something that's deep, something that's not seen. Now, as we read the Bible, we, we're impressed with the fact that when we read the gospel of Jesus Christ, Nothing is secretive. Everything is open and obvious and understandable. Basically until we get to the book of Revelation, I guess. I'll deal with that in just a minute. But the idea is that the New Testament is is sparkling clear. We understand everything that's said there. We understand what we should do and shouldn't do. We understand what there is to know about Jesus Christ, how he came, and about the church and about the kingdom. But the Old Testament contained a mystery. And to some people, it is still a mystery because they have not taken into consideration the solution to that secret or the expose of that secret. Now, as I said, the, the, uh, the word mystery means deep or dark or secret. And there's another word that we use sometimes uh, along this line, and it's the word enigma. If you've heard that word before, an enigma is something that's concealed and hidden that uh, cannot be understood except by perhaps those that are in the know. But it's like a cipher, what's called a cipher. Anyway, without the key, if you run across a mystery or a cipher or a cryptogram or an enigma, unless you have the key, you can't understand it. Now, in 1983, I'm going to tell a little story before I get into the substance of what we're going to talk about. 1983, there was a movie made that was set back in the 30s and 40s, basically in the early 40s, and it's called The Christmas Story. You may have seen it. Every Christmas, about the time of Christmas, this, this Christmas story is run on a continual loop. If you want to watch the Christmas story, wait until Christmas, and it's somewhere on TV. You can see it. It's running continually through the Christmas season. And the little character in this, in the, the story, is, is, is a boy named Ralphie. And Ralphie wants a Red Rider BB gun. Red Rider air rifle is what they call it. And uh, he, he's asking for it, and he asked for it in the movie, uh, over 20 times. I think there's 28 times he asked for that air rifle. He asked Santa for air rifle. He asked for, he's talking to his folks. He's making all sorts of, uh, of, uh, hints to different people that he wants, for Christmas he wants an air rifle. But there's a scene in this that, that I want to bring up that, that isn't really the, the major part of this movie. And that's when Ralphie is looking in his post office box. He's looking for something to come in the mail to him because he's been eating, drinking, not eating, but drinking a beverage called Ovaltine. 
and he'd been he'd been sending in the labels the Ovaltine regularly and he's sending several hundred of them because he's going to get a prize when when finally he sends enough labels in and one day he gets he gets the prize from from the uh, makers of Ovaltine and so he immediately runs upstairs and he grabs some stuff in his room and he runs in the bathroom and locks the bathroom door and his little brother is outside banging on the door wanting in. And Ralphie's trying to unravel this present and see what he's got. And he's, he's getting, basically what he's getting is a Orphan Annie Secret Society pen decoder. So he's going to get a secret message. And he has the secret message and he's got the pen decoder from the Orphan Annie Secret Society, and he's going to use that pen decoder to tell what the secret is that they're sending him. And he gets it all worked out one letter at a time, and his little brother's banging on the door. He's trying to keep him quiet while he's going through his pen decoder to read the message. It's, been, it's a secret message. He finally gets it. And it says, remember to drink your Ovaltine. So that's the, that's the secret message that he's gotten. Okay, let's set that aside for just a minute. The secret that God had, had encompassed in the Old Testament was not known during the time that it was being written, nor immediately after the close of the time that the last word was written in the Scriptures, which was about 400 years before Christ. It was there. It was a secret. And it was not known and could not be known by individuals until a certain time. Now, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, and it says this, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that are to come, that are come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even a hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now that's what Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 12. The hidden wisdom. God had hidden something in the Scriptures that could not be decoded without some special apparatus. In the the early part of the the 20th century, in the 1900s, early 1920s, maybe earlier than that, I think it was earlier than that, in the early teens, 1917 or 18, a uh, Polish mathematician and cryptologist developed what is called the uh, Enigma machine. It was an elaborate machine that was designed in order to hide messages that could be sent from one place to another and not be detected. Now, before I get into what went on, let me say this, that while we're sitting here, if you have a bank account that you use online, or if you hold a credit card that has been sent to you by by a credit card company, there are hundreds of people now sitting in thousands of rooms all over this world trying to break into your account, trying to decode it, because your account has been encoded and encrypted. The United States government uses encrypted messages when they want to send communication among themselves, and other governments do the same thing, so that the other, the other countries that are not 
compatible with ours or theirs cannot read those messages. Your information that's online and in the ether world of, of the uh, internet, your information is being firewalled or protected by a machine or by a system, not a machine anymore. It's all electronic. It's being protected from someone getting into it and getting your information, your social security number, your bank account number, your credit card number, your account that you have with Sears maybe, or some other store, Walmart or Amazon. They're trying to get that information, but it's been firewalled. And unless someone has the encryption key, they can't get into it. Okay. This is what it started out this way in the, uh, in, with this Polish mathematician. His, his name was Marian Rajewski. And it was, an, it was a mechanical and electrical machine. And the Nazis were using this machine during World War II to communicate and to, to mass their forces and communicate with their commanders so that they could invade different countries and through the, through the plotting of Hitler, overtake the world with their government and with their war machine. And it was uh, toward the end of the war, there was a group of British cryptologists and mathematicians who were able to break that code. They did it in what was called Hut 6 at Benchley Park in England. They broke the code. But I want you to know they didn't break the code simply by their mathematical wizardry. They had some help with other mathematicians and cryptologists, especially they had the help from a French spy who got a hold of one of the key cards. And so from that key card, they were able to deduce how this was working. And man, it is a complicated machine. It was complicated then and it's still complicated. Anyway, they were able to deduce how that worked, and they were able to break that code down, and they therefore were able to end the war sooner than it would have ended if they had not broken that code, that encryption code. Well, let's get back to what we're talking about. God hid a secret in the old scriptures that man could not break or understand hid it for hundreds of years. And if you go back to that Old Testament and try to read it without that code, you can't understand it. It cannot be understood. And there's so many people trying to do that today and have been for years and years and years, for hundreds of years, have been trying to break that Old Testament code and have not been able to get it because they're not using the encryption machine or the key card that will tell them what that code, what that secret was, to break that code. The Bible enigma was, was very serious. God did not want humankind to understand what He was going to do. He had pur a purpose in mind. And He hid clues in that Old Testament that could not be understood without being able to encrypt it, be able to in 
Matthew 13, 17 says, Jesus said, Many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. So it was impossible for people, when Jesus came to this earth, it was impossible for people to understand what God was talking about in the Old Testament and what He's planning on doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 9 through 14 says, It's written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. So God was preparing things. But He concealed it. He encrypted it. But God has revealed them unto us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Then he said, but we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So Paul is saying, now we can unveil those mysteries. We can see those secrets and we know what they are. In Colossians 2, verse 2 through 4, Paul is talking to the church at Colossae and he's talking about also the churches in Laodicea. And he's talking about the fact that Laodicea and Colossae should understand what he's telling them because they're, they're, they were having problems and he's trying to get them to understand what, what's going on. And he said at verse 2, he said that their hearts, talking about the churches at Laodicea and the and, uh, church at Colossae, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So he's saying you need to understand, you need to get the knowledge, information about the mystery of God, the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So he's saying you can understand that mystery. You can get it. Romans 16, verse 25 and 26, Paul said this, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. This mystery started when the world began. Matter of fact, it started before then. And God kept it a secret until He decided to unveil it. Tell us what it is. Which means, without the key, we can't understand what is said in the Old Testament. What God had in mind. Okay, He said, but it is now made manifest. And by the Scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith. When did that happen? In Luke chapter 24, after Jesus had risen from the dead, in Luke 24, verse 25, He had gathered His apostles together, with the exception of Judas, of course. Judas was gone. But He tells them, He said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? He said, Why didn't you get it? Well, the reason they didn't get it was because it was hidden. But Jesus was trying to tell them while He was on the earth and they weren't—they still weren't getting it. Okay. 
He said, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus is the key to the Old Testament scriptures. Without Jesus, you cannot understand the prophets. Period. Because God wrapped it in an enigma. Can't understand it. Go back to the Old Testament and, and read it. Read it all you want. And you will never get it if you don't have the key. It's God's enigma machine. You can't get it. Ephesians 3 at verse 3 says, you have to overlay those scriptures with Jesus Christ. So he says at verse 3, how that by revelation, so now he's revealing it, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery that I wrote afore in few words, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's the mystery. Mystery of Christ. At verse 9 in that same text, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. It's been hidden since the beginning of the world. To the intent that now in the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now the church can know it. You can know the mysteries of the Old Testament. Don't go back there without Jesus. You won't get it. Because He's the one that will reveal it to you. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Now that's a very plain statement, isn't it? He said, The mystery among the Gentiles that is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, for the big bang... When you go to the book of Revelation and you think I'm going to understand the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation has upward of 1,000 references to the Old Testament Scriptures. Prophets and the law. Over 1,000 references. How can you understand that without Jesus? Because the book of Revelation starts out with Revelation 1.1 that says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what do you think the book of Revelation is talking about? It's talking about exposing Jesus Christ from the Old Testament Scriptures. That's what he's talking about. It's no deep secret in the Bible that God intended to save humanity. That's not a secret. That's never been a secret. God has always wanted, since the time that He created man, He's always wanted the best for man. So when we talk about, well, what is the secret in the Old Testament? What did he cover up? What did he hide? Well, it wasn't the fact that he wanted to save you. He's always wanted to do that. Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody to be saved. That's not a secret. That wasn't a secret from the beginning. It wasn't an eternal secret. God has always wanted the best for His creation. Some say, well, you know what? God works in mysterious ways. No, not anymore. But He did. He worked in mysterious ways in the Old Testament system before Jesus came along. His mystery was finished when Christ came. Now that's a point that we need to make and we need to hold that pretty close to us. 
He finished that mystery. There's no more mystery. It's all done. Daniel chapter 12, verse 7. I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven. And he swore by him that lives forever and ever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. That's three and a half years, basically. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Well, the holy people were children of Israel. And I heard, but I understood not. Then I said, I, Oh, my Lord, when shall the end of these things be? When shall the end be? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. When shall these things be? End. Revelation chapter 10 at verse 7 says, But in the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. So when you're reading the book of Revelation, understand that the mystery of God had already been finished when he says in the voice of the seventh, sound of the seventh angel, the mystery of God was finished. Paul affirmed that this mystery had been finished in the fullness of times. Jesus was sent in Galatians 4, verse 4, God said, when the fullness of times has come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. Let's get back to this business of finish. What did Jesus say on the cross? He said, it is finished. That's what He said. I think it's John 18, at a verse, can't remember, can't remember the actual verse. Anyway, he said on the cross. And when he was on this earth, four times in the book of John, he came to say this. He said, I came to finish my Father's work. Four times. John 5, John 8, and John 17 when he told the apostles. He said, I came, I came to finish my Father's work. So he came to finish it. So the things were finished. Now in Acts chapter 3, verse 18 through 21, it says, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of His holy prophets, that Christ should suffer, He is so fulfilled. So everything that the prophets said, Christ fulfilled them. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive, until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets, since the world began, Jesus finished that. He did that. He's the one that completed it. Ephesians 1 at verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which is purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in Him. In the fullness of times, got it together. The great mysteries of the Scriptures baffle the readers until Jesus stepped down from heaven and began completing what God had said was going to take place. While He was among His own people, they were continually baffled by His presence. He was a mystery to them. They didn't understand what was going on. Who was he? That was a mystery to them. What was he doing here? What was he teaching about the coming kingdom? Why was he saying, your kingdom come? Was he the king? Could he give them a, a sign? 
The mysteries of God's prophets were not questions of why God sent His Son. We know why. We know why He sent His Son to this earth, don't we? John 3.16 God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The mysteries are the how is He going to save us. It's a mystery that God could clothe Himself in human flesh and dwell among us. That was one of the mysteries, wasn't it? The Old Testament. That was a mystery. How is God going to come and actually be clothed in the body of a human being and be among us? Matthew one twenty three says, His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means interpreted God with us. Isaiah said, the prophet, he said, He was the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. And everybody says, how... How can that be? And I would ask the same question. How can this be? Jesus was the fulfillment of a mystery. John 10, verse 30-33, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. They wanted to stone Him for that. They wanted to kill Him. The Jews took up stones again to stone Him. Jesus answered, Many good words have I showed unto you from my Father. Which of these works do you stone Me? They answered him, saying, For good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. What a mystery. That was something that just paled every concept that men had about God. It, it paled in front of this one that here was God in the flesh standing in front of them. God in the flesh. How can God in the flesh be like a human being? How could He suffer like a human being? How could God die on the cross? That was a great mystery. 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, Received up into glory. The mystery of godliness. And Paul said it's great. Colossians 1 verse 25 says, I am a minister, this is Paul, according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. Even the mystery which He has hid from ages, from generations, but is now made manifest to His saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Hope of glory. That's the mystery. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It was a mystery that God in the flesh, if He's here in the flesh, could be put on a cross. Nailed by human hands to a cross. How can that be? These are the mysteries that they're faced with. Matthew 16, after Jesus said this for the first time, He told the apostles, he said that he's going to go up to Jerusalem. They were going to abuse him. They would arrest him. They would, they would uh, interrogate him. 
they would they would uh, persecute him, not only persecute him, but they would punish him, and he would suffer many things of them. Be, and then he said, "I'll be killed." Wait a minute. I'll be killed, and I'll rise again. You know what Peter said? It cannot happen. That's exactly what he said. Why? What kind of mystery? That was a that was a baffling, baffling mystery, and it should still be. But we know it's not. We know that God unveiled it and showed us. The resurrection of the dead was a mystery. How can the dead rise? You know, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52. And you know what? The only reason I know anything I know about the resurrection is because I accept it by faith. And you know why I do that? Because Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I read the Scriptures and He is the Word of God. And the Word of God tells me I'm going to resurrect. But I'm still amazed at it. I'm still in awe of it. I just don't, I don't know if I can comprehended. I'm not sure I can. But you know what Paul said? He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He said, I'm just going to lay it out for you. If this is a mystery. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The only way I can comprehend that is by faith, and the only way I have faith is through the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Christ Paul said. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. For therein is the faith revealed from faith, is the truth revealed from faith unto faith. That is, it builds faith in me, the gospel does. So I believe the gospel, therefore I can believe that I'll be changed. The Old Testament scriptures do not show this openly. You know, if you go back in the Old Testament looking for something about the resurrection, you know what you're going to find? Probably two texts. And you know, one of them that we have that Jesus referred to, if I were searching through the Old Testament looking for the resurrection, I wouldn't run across that one, but he, he, He's the one that showed me what it is. You know what it is? The Old Testament talks about the resurrection. If it were just up to me looking for it, I'd never, I would have never found it. They were talking to Jesus. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were talking to Jesus about the resurrection. And the Sadducees came up with a long story about a woman who married a brother and the brother died, left no seed, married another brother. The law of the Levite, that, uh, that is, they had the brother that died had to marry the, the surviving brother had to marry the dead brother's wife. Seven times they said it happened. Matthew 22. They just set up a real long series of problems. Said, now then, if there's a resurrection, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And you know, Jesus said, He said, uh, you do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. And then He set forth what the resurrection is. Now see if you could, just think about it. You think you could pick that out of the Old Testament and figure out a resurrection from this text? He said, as touching the resurrection, I have, uh, have you not read that was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. I don't think I would have read there. I, don't, I know I would have 
never come to that conclusion that there is a resurrection from that text. Yet Jesus said, this is the proof. You see, that was a mystery. So when we're looking at mysteries in the Old Testament, the Old Testament Scriptures was hard to get, wasn't it? Until Jesus came along and He had the key. And He opened the door and He showed what it meant by Himself, by what He taught. I would have never thought about any... I would have never thought about God dying on the cross. And from the Old Testament Scriptures, I'm, I'm not sure I could pick it up from there. But listen, there's a text in Psalms 22, verse 16. Dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Now you know what that means, don't you? But would you have ever got that if Jesus hadn't died on the cross? <laughs> no, you wouldn't have. I wouldn't have either. God had hidden that gem in the Old Testament. Now there's, there's something like 300 or so references in the Old Testament that you can actually point to because you know Jesus and you can find Him. But without Jesus, you'd never get it. You'd never get it. And you'd never understand the Old Testament. Now think of how God could turn this statement into a blessing at the cross. How could He turn the cross into a blessing in the Old Testament Scriptures? Now, Moses wrote this in Deuteronomy 21 22. He says, If a man have committed a sin worthy of death, he be put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but you shall in any wise bury him that day. He that is hanged is cursed of God, that your land be not defiled, which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance. If you hang on a tree, stay overnight, you're cursed of God. Hanged on the tree, you get them off the tree because that, that's a cursing. How would you put that together with the death of Jesus on the cross? And yet Paul did. In Galatians 3 verse 13, he applies that very same text to the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay. That was a mystery that was unraveled when Jesus came and the gospel was preached. Now, those are God's mysteries. Your life is probably in your mind at one time or another has been a mystery. You may have asked yourself the question, what am I doing here? What good am I doing? What is my life all about? Why, you know, Job asked the question, why was I born? He said he wished he, he, wished he had died in a childbirth, his mother's childbirth. So people ask that question all the time, but it's a great mystery. Why am I here? What's going on? What's going to happen? What, what, what is going on with me? Why, what's my part in life? What, what's, the, what's coming in the hereafter? Where will I end up? There, these are mysteries for us. Our, we, we have our own enigmas. And we will always have them until we turn to Jesus Christ and He will unravel every mystery you have in your life. Jesus is the answer to your mystery just as He was the answer to the mystery of the Old Testament Scriptures. He's your answer. Let Him answer those questions when you have them. 
let him answer those questions. And you'll find the answer in the Word of God in the New Testament, in the Gospel. You won't find them in the Old Testament. You'll find them in the New. You should get familiarize yourself with the Old so you can understand what's going on. But when you have a question about why, how, when, who, go to the Scriptures. Go to the Word of God and get your answer in Jesus. Let's sing our song.